Welcome to Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. We're delighted that you are able to join us again this week as we continue our journey through this quarter's Sabbath School lesson, Managing for the Master Till He Comes. This, this is week number 10. Lesson number 10, we're talking about giving back. We have covered a lot of ground. We've still got two weeks to go. But this week we are taking a look at giving back and what it means to give back. This quarter, we have had Ed Reed with us each week. We have him here again this week. He, of course, is an ordained minister. He is a licensed attorney and has a great deal of experience in the area of stewardship. So before we look at giving back, let's pray as we usually do. Father, thank you for blessing us with another opportunity to learn more about your plan for us and our lives, especially as it relates to finances. And help us this week to understand some of the many ways that we can give back for the many blessings that you've given to us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Ed, welcome back. We're glad to have you with us again. Another good lesson. Thank you. So we're excited about this one, giving back. You know, it takes a lot of, a lot of years for many people to, to gain enough to the point where they feel that they can give back. Of course, God, we've talked about tithes and offerings and so forth. But now we talk about giving back, and the memory text is Revelation chapter 14, verse number 13. It says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. So how does that verse relate with giving back? What does it mean to give back in this context? Well, Giving back actually means that if God gave it to us to begin with, when we're done with it, what should we do with it? Well, give it back to him. So after your family's taken care of and the needs of your family are taken care of, we're not going to take it with us. We know that. So that we need to make arrangements for it to go back to him. And, and then, so after we pass away, the, the, the effect of that is that our assets that we contribute, we make to it is written or other ministries, continue to work on God's behalf. So even once a person has passed away, the, the financial benefits that God has blessed them with, in large part because of their faithfulness during their life, is going to continue doing the work of God afterwards. In uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 7, last week we mentioned, it says, We brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. Somebody once said that, uh, that they've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Uh, trailer, and I think that's very, very true. You can't take anything with you, so it's important to to know what to do with that, with those financial blessings, uh, during the time that you are here. Sunday's lesson is an interesting passage. It talks about the rich fool. We've we've often you know heard this story before. I want to read this though from Luke chapter twelve, starting in verse number sixteen. Luke chapter twelve, verse sixteen, and I'm going to read down through verse twenty one. It says, And he, that is Jesus, spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool! This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So Jesus calls this individual a fool. I think there are many things that we would like to have Jesus call us. Fool is probably not near the top of the list. Why 
Why does Jesus call this man a fool? The real interesting part is that he's living only for this life. He's not thinking of the future life at all, thinking only of himself and not of others, not the cause of God. So I, I said that th- this rich fool is the poster child of what not to do with your community, accumulated assets. So if a person is quitting work to spend his accumulated assets on himself, he should be aware and take this story to heart. So we're really talking about estate planning here. The interesting thing, Eric, is none of us knows the day of our death, so what we want to do is prepare for it. So if it can happen now, our, our assets are in order, and our, we've taken stock of what we have and what, what we plan to do with it. So you'd have your will done and your trust if you need to, a trust. I'm going to tell you now that you want to be your own executor and try to give it away yourself if you can. Your do- testamentary documents are only for those that you, you haven't thought about giving away or you needed to keep until you died, like your house or your car or whatever. So what we're looking at then is where does all this go and, and how, does it, how does it benefit the work of God after, after a person's death. Uh, as we mentioned a moment ago, you can't take it with you. Uh, and that really is, uh, is Monday's lesson. You can't take it with you. What happens to all of our possessions when we die? How does that all work? A lot, a lot of younger people maybe aren't thinking toward that end. It's usually as we get more advanced in years and we, we get more toward the end of our life than, uh, than the beginning, at least as far as we can foretell. What happens to all of our possessions when we die? At the end of today's lesson, I'll give you some actual questions to ask the, what, what you should do with it. But the bottom line is, what we do with our accumulated assets is just as important as what we do with our day-to-day expenses. So if we uh, haven't made a plan, of course, the state has a plan for you. So that's the real sad part. And another interesting thing about if you don't have a state plan is that the state assumes that you're an atheist and nothing of yours will ever go to a church or charity. It all goes to any relatives you may have, whether they need it or not, whether they would use it wisely or whether you would include them in your will or not. So if you want to benefit individuals who have been kind to you or the cause of God, you need to do that yourself with your own testamentary documents. So I, I want to run that by again because I make sure I, I heard you correctly. The state is not going to choose to give any of your possessions, your money, your, your income, anything that you have left, it's not going to choose to give it to your church or to a ministry or to some place that you want it to go. Uh, it's going to make decisions, as you said, they assume you're an atheist, right? Exactly. The interesting thing, Eric, that you, you summarized that correctly, even though you were a regular tither and you were a regular supporter of ministries and so on, if you die without using your assets up, the state will always only use it from a civil perspective and give it to relatives. If you have no relatives living, some, once in a while that happens, it, the term is it escheats to the state and you get bridge building out of it and that kind of thing, but no, no, no church or charity ever benefits unless you have a will. So you can't just tell somebody who's a friend of yours or a family member that you want it to go to church, and you can't scribble it down on a post-it note, but there are some actual legal documents that you need to have, yes? Very simple documents, yes, and that you should hire an attorney. The reason I'm telling you that is that they have the proper documentation for the state that you live in, and they can make sure the proper witnesses and notarization are signed and so on. Because if you try to do it yourself, believe it or not, when some people die with money— relatives come out of the woodwork. They're all wanting some of your assets. But if you've made a, a will, theoretically and ideally, you should give most of it away if you can. But what, what's left there it should be very specific where you want it to go and what should happen to it. All right, so we'll come back and look, as you mentioned a little bit later, at some of the, the finer points of this. But Tuesday's lesson talks about beginning with personal needs. 
Uh, I want to read 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse number 8, and then give you an opportunity to, uh, to comment on that. It says, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Uh, again, there, we don't want to be considered worse than an infidel, but why is this important, and, and why do we want to take care of this first? Believe it or not, weird things happen in money management in families that aren't trained properly. For example, sometimes I've had people talk to me. A lady told me one time, well, my husband passed away, and I have no idea what to do with the money because he always managed everything, and I think we owned some property in Florida, but I'm not sure where it was, and she didn't know what to do. So uh, my personal feeling is that families should have a family council at least annually and decide what their assets are and what they're doing with it and what, where it's going and what income they have and what expenses they have and so on. But the, the, the big bottom line is our first responsibility is to our family, and we need to make sure that our children are educated properly. The goal of Christian parents, of course, is to train their children to become independent adults. The best way to do that is to help them with their education so they can have a secure position in, in life and provide a service for humanity and also be able to support the cause of God. So putting the children first, of course, uh, tithe and offering, those that's part of our, our daily regular giving, uh, systematic giving or systematic benevolence, sometimes it's referred to. But then caring for our, our children uh, at the top of the list. But then after that, there's we want to continue giving. Wednesday talks about uh, deathbed charity, and, and we're going to dive into that in, in a little more detail in just a moment. What are, give us some other reasons to, to make sure that, the, that our immediate family is taken care of beforehand. You, you already gave some, but uh, some other additional reasons why that might be so important. One thing is very interesting, Eric, and that is to make sure that your family is debt-free, that they're not burdened with a lot of debts when you pass away. Make sure that that can happen. That's very, very important. Make sure that their needs are taken care of as far as their food, clothing, and shelter, those kinds of things. A lot of times people don't think about that because they, they just get by from check to paycheck to paycheck. But if you have plans and you follow the counsel of the God and you've been diligent to know the state of your affairs, uh, that's what uh, we're, t- we're talking about in Proverbs 27, 23, and 24. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and look well to your herds. I've already mentioned earlier that the Bible was written to, to uh, agricultural people with a gregarian society, but we can just make sure you know what your assets are, where they are, and how safe they are, and so on. For riches are not forever, and thus the crown of endure for every generation. So I can just tell you that we need to make, I would say, a balance sheet, at least annually, to know what your, what your income is, and what your expenses are, and what your assets are. I remember the first time I did a balance sheet right after school, it was a negative net worth. I mean, I owed more than I owned. Fortunately, that's changed a lot, but the bottom line is if you don't do a balance sheet, you never know where you are in, in these kinds of things. So, so that's just your, your basic starting point as a balance sheet to figure out what your, what your assets are and, and, and what your liabilities are and, and find out whether you end up, as they say, in the black or in the red. And you want to try to end up with a positive balance rather than a negative balance. But a lot of people start in the negative balance. It uh, doesn't mean that they have to stay there. In fact, they shouldn't stay there. They should end up going from red to black. Uh, for some people, it's going to take a little bit longer. But by the grace of God, that scale can tip, and people can end up in the black enough to take care of their needs, their family's needs. And what we're talking about right now also is, is the needs of the kingdom, the needs of, uh, of a spreading of the gospel around the world. 
And so this quarter, that's what we've been looking at. We've been looking at how to, to manage those finances that God entrusts to us. We're getting toward the end of the quarter. Some of you have been with us through this entire journey. Some of you are just joining us this week. And for those of you who are just joining us this week, welcome. We're glad that you've caught us on week number 10 of 12. You still have a couple of weeks to join us. But if you want to catch up and if you want to get more out of this quarter's lesson, make sure that you pick up the companion book to this quarter's adult Bible study guide. And that is Managing for the Master by G. Edward Reed. You can pick that up at itiswritten.shop. Again, that's itiswritten.shop. And this book goes into greater detail on the subjects that we are looking at week by week. It'll give you a fantastic opportunity to catch up, and it'll give you an opportunity even to get ahead. So you can stop at itiswritten.shop and pick up the book, Managing for the Master. Gives additional insights and will bless you abundantly. We're going to come back in just a moment as we continue with lesson number 10, Giving Back. We'll see you back in just a moment. Planning for your financial future is a vital aspect of Christian stewardship. For this reason, It Is Written is pleased to offer free planned giving and estate services. For information on how we can help you, please call 800-992-2219. Call today or visit our website, hislegacy.com. Call 800-992-2219. This season on Conversations. Many times I think I know what God wants or doesn't want me mm-hmm. to do, and many times He's the opposite. I was uh, looking uh, next to the car. There's this family with a little ugly car. You know, I would never have. But I saw the family. They're so happy. They're laughing and giggling. I said, Lord, this is that's what I I want. Jesus just had this warm, loving feeling that I just couldn't describe and I wanted it more than anything in this world and I knew he was the answer. I don't know how I knew. I just knew he was the answer. Amen, amen. She is Gail Habakam. His name is Dr. George Guthrie. She once was a practitioner of Santeria. I'm John Bradshaw and this is our conversation. Now available on itiswritten.tv. Welcome back to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. Today, we're continuing with lesson number 10, giving back. So once God has blessed us during the course of our lives, it's time to give back. Give back to our family, give back to the, to the spread of the gospel, give back to the work of God. And we're getting here to th- Wednesday's lesson. Wednesday's lesson is entitled, Deathbed Charity. Ed, is that when we should give back to God? Is, is that the first time we should give back to God when we're on our deathbed? Uh, maybe there's some times beforehand that we should be thinking about that and, and taking some practical steps to do that. Um, lead us through this idea. Well, when we talk about deathbed charity, we can also talk about deathbed conversions. Like the thief on the cross, it's always possible the last moment to accept Christ, but you wouldn't want to risk not knowing when you're going to die, for one thing. Another one is, if you're giving it only when you die, then you're giving it to death rather than to God, really, because you could, if you lived another day, you'd keep it another day longer. So it's not the best way to do it. I have this little statement that I talk to people about, which if you do your giving while you're living, then you're knowing where it's going. I like that. I like that. 
because a lot of people, even though they have wills, the relatives fight over it and the things go to court and it takes years for things to happen. So my suggestion is to try to do as much as you can while you're still alive. So you get to experience some of the blessings of, of seeing where that, those funds went uh, and not just hoping that everything ends up uh, working out right in the end. That's, that's true. That's encouraging. I want to read First Timothy 6, verse number 17 here. Uh, Ed, it says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Share some, with us some thoughts about that. Well, one thing interesting, I can tell you that I've, Kathy and I follow a plan of doing the best we can while we're alive so we know where it's going, how good it'll do, and so on. So I'm going to share with you advantages of giving presently rather than just waiting till you die. One of them is the donor can actually see the results of the gift. For example, if I gave a, a, a gift to It Is Written and I wanted to benefit SALT for training young people and others, scholarships for those kind of people going forward. New church building, young person in college, an evangelistic campaign that's funded and so on. Funds are always needed for evangelism. People, people say, well, all you talk about is money. If we didn't talk about money, that means the work is over and there's nothing going on. The second one I would mention is the person or the ministry can benefit now when the need is greatest, not when I die. The, the third one is a very good one also. There's no fighting among family or friends after your death. Because if you give it away, nobody's going to say you, maybe they'll try to maybe say you weren't incompetent or something. But most of the time, if you give it away, you can do it with a video recording or something and there's no question about it. Another one that sets a good example of family values or of generosity and love for others. Sometimes people don't realize this, but your family values are one of your best heritage from your parents. Honesty, punctuality, and things like that. Generosity is another good one. Another one, number five, it minimizes the state tax consequences. Number six, this may not be a big deal for some people, but it might be for others. So always recognize that there's no state tax consequence if you give it away first. Another one is it guarantees that the gift will be made to your desired entity, no interference from courts or disgruntled relatives. Those are important things to remember. Also, it demonstrates that the heart of the donor has been changed from selfishness to love. If I'm giving my assets away, I'm just recognizing that God's the owner of everything and I'm just giving it back to him. And then probably the greatest one of all these is stores up treasures in heaven. So if you know you're going there soon, would you rather have your treasures there or on this earth to get burned up? I think those are all legitimate things to consider as you're trying to figure out where your finances should go as you're, well, probably getting toward the latter years of your life, but not waiting till the very end. Uh, Ed, I want to share this interesting quote from Testimonies for the Church, Volume 5, page 154. There's some, some interesting counsel here. It says, I saw that many withhold from the cause while they live, quieting their consciences that they will be charitable at death. They hardly dare exercise faith and trust in God to give anything while living. But this deathbed charity is not what Christ requires of his followers. It cannot excuse the selfishness of the living. Those who hold fast their property till the last moment surrender it to death rather than to the cause. And you made that statement a moment ago. Losses are occurred continually. Banks fail and property is consumed in very many ways. Many purpose to do something, but they delay the matter, and Satan works to prevent the means from coming into the treasury at all. It is lost before it is returned to God, and Satan exults that it is so. You know, many different churches and, and conferences and ministries and groups have planned giving and trust services reps who can, who can help guide someone through this process so that they can make sure that all their, their legal documents are in order, 
and everything is the is the way that it should go, which kind of leads us to Thursday's lesson about spiritual legacy. Walk us through this idea of spiritual legacy, its importance, its significance, its applicability to us, uh, depending on where we happen to be in our life toward the the near end. Of course, nobody knows. I don't know. You don't know. Nobody, nobody knows when our last breath is going to be. When should we be considering our spiritual legacy, and what does that look like in practical terms? My wife and I have had uh, our estate plan in force for many, many years. We did it when we were when our 20s, when our children were young, and we've changed it. We've modified it, updated it several times. Our assets change and our our interests change and that kind of thing, so I would t- suggest that people do that. But what we did is we asked ourselves some questions. So I'm going to ask you guys some questions, and you think what you think about these. First, first of all, has your family been blessed over the years? How has they been blessed? What, what has benefited your family? Has, has it been church school? Has it been a hospital situation or a, a local church that you appreciate very much? How did you ne- come to know the Lord? Well, in our case, we've got, I think, 10 ministries that we're supporting with our estate plan, and we try to do it even now. We've, give, we've given most of them contributions this year, in fact. The, the bottom line is, it was one of these ministries that most of you will know very well that brought our family into the Adventist church. And if, if that hadn't happened, I would have, had, would have no ministry for the church nor would any of my family be involved as they are today. Another one, did you receive a blessing through your educational experience or during the stay at a medical institution? This is, this is always happening. Of course, your alumni association always tries to keep in touch with you, but if you had a good experience there and you want to help others to experience it, that's, that's a place to think about as well. Here's another good one. Do you appreciate having a church to worship in? Would you like to help pay off the church's mortgage and have it be debt-free or, or fund some evangelistic outreach? Another one, have you ever been blessed at a summer camp or have children that have been, that have been blessed there? Th- those are places you can think about. For, let me just in, interject here, Eric. The assumption is with all these questions that I've been faithful with my tithe. So these are my assets that I've already paid tithe on. So this is all offerings that I'm doing. So it's, it's, what I'm telling you is that it's discretionary how I want to use them. Does that make sense? It does. So the tithe just comes off the top and should be for, you know, throughout our, our walk with the Lord. So this so is that's our accumulated assets, yes. Yep. Okay, we'll go on. Would you like to help others learn about the soon coming of Christ? This really encourages us when we see people are doing evangelistic meetings or, or television ministries and so on. Would you like to help build schools and churches around the world? Has your life been blessed by attending evangelistic meetings? Would you like to support these organizations in the 1040 window? like Adventist World Radio, for example. Were you helped by the church during the time of need? Would you like to help others? Have you gone on a short-term mission trip? Kathy and I, we, we've been on short-term mission trips. There have been high points of our life. And would you like to see that happen to some other person that might not be able to benefit? like to help others be able to do so. Would you like to help some orphanage or a clinic where HIV AIDS has brought much sorrow and pain? There are many questions now that you could ask yourself. You, you can think of more of it yourself. How have you been blessed over your life? What, what organizations do you believe are doing God's will? So th- this is storing up treasures in heaven, but most of all, it's helping the ministry of God go forward. These are the kind of things we read about earlier, Eric, where it says, when you're laid to rest, your life continues to go on because you're blessing others. So you've given us a lot of very practical uh, suggestions of questions to ask, um, things to consider, uh, maybe people to contact or, or groups to contact to help guide you through something. What would you tell someone who is saying, yeah, those are good ideas. I'm going to do those. Um, I'll, I'll think about 
calling this person, making this appointment, getting these documents in order. What would you tell someone who, who hasn't done it yet and intends to do it, but has other priorities at the moment? Well, the bottom line is the sooner the better, really, because you never know the day of your death. You know, we're, Kathy and I thank God that we made a safe trip down here to Chattanooga area, but who knows whether we'll get it home or not. We, we're all ready because we have our plans made already. No, no need to worry about that. But I can tell you something interesting also, and that is that people think that if they make their will and their trust, they're going to die sooner. They don't die any sooner. They just die prepared. That's important to know. So making sure you have your will set up, making sure you have your trust set up, uh, making sure that you've had important conversations with children, with, uh, with other family members, so that others know what your intentions are and there aren't any, any nasty surprises if those can be uh, avoided. Uh, any other practical things that one might do to make sure that their affairs are in order as we look at giving back? Well, I think it's important also, I mentioned this earlier, that the, the entire family, you mentioned the children and so on. In, in America today, most children think that they're going to get a, a, their share of the parents' estate when they die. But if they're contacted ahead of time, we thought in our case that most of the benefit to our children was to help them through with their education, which we did. And, but we still, we still have promises to them in our estate plan, but they're token gifts compared to what we've done before. What we want to do is make sure that our children are in heaven and they're not depending on us. People who have worked hard for them through their living need to make sure that they're the ones that benefit. They don't hand it off to their relatives to take care of it, but they do it themselves. That's what I'm, uh, I'm encouraging people to do is do their own giving if they can. So plan early. Make sure that all of your documents are in order. Talk with family, uh, close and extended family. Prioritize where you want things to go and ultimately make sure that everything is, is set so that that day doesn't sneak up on you as it does, unfortunately, with, with a lot of people. I think, Ed, you and I have both heard stories of people who intended to do something with their money, but um, I won't call it time and chance, but a person's, a person's number was called, yes. and they never got a chance to do that. One thing I would add also, I mentioned earlier, is that if you're married, talk to your spouse about this on at least an annual basis. Here's what our assets are. Here's what we're planning to do. Not that you're telling them then, but this is what we've done so far. Do we want to change anything or is this still good for us? All right, so have some of those important conversations. Uh, Ed, thank you again for leading us and guiding us through this week's study. We've still got two weeks to go, so we're not finished yet. Uh, make sure that you join us again next week as we continue our journey through this, uh, through this incredible subject of blending faith and finances, stewardship, God's plan for, for the funds that he entrusts to us each and every day of our lives. If God has blessed you, then you can bless others. God has blessed you, whether it's financially or in health or in a relationship with him. The question is, how can you take that and turn it into a blessing for someone else? And as we continue through our lives, we get to see some good examples in the Bible and some bad examples in the Bible. And we've looked a little bit of both of those as we've studied this quarter together. Be with us again next week as we continue our journey in the last two weeks of this quarter's lesson, looking at managing for the master till he comes. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time.